0: Alright, it's Sunday. How the hell is everybody? This is the Q-Man. Welcome to the QTR podcast. It is an early morning edition. It's early for me this morning. You can hear my Nespresso machine whirring away in the background. It's early for me this morning, but it's like two time zones earlier for our guest. So we'll have to give him some special love for that. First and foremost, today's podcast, like all of my podcasts, brought to you by my patrons, Patrons are people that sign up and donate a monthly recurring sum to help support the podcast. I'll shout some of those people out and then we'll get started with the show and I can't wait today. My old friend, Montana Skeptic, hasn't been here in a damn long time. First and foremost, this podcast is brought to you by my friends over at JM Bullion, my exclusive gold and silver providers. I love JM Bullion. They have been in business for nearly a decade. They've done over $7 billion in sales they ship my orders discreetly. They turn them around quickly. They always have great inventory of bullion on their website. One of my favorite places to order from. And the best part is QTR podcast listeners have their own rep there, Laura, L-A-U-R-A at jmbullion.com. You can shoot her an email. If you don't feel like dealing with the websites, fine. You get, you know, websites easy to use. The premiums are manageable. The prices are good. So, But if maybe you have questions, maybe you're a first-time gold and silver buyer, Email Laura, laura at jmbullion.com. They, she is there to help you out specifically if you want to check out JM Bullion. And uh, so as an added service, which not everybody gets, nobody you know, not everybody that goes to the website gets their own rep, uh, you should take advantage of it because they have been wonderful to me and they continue to support this podcast and have now for years. And so your support of them means a lot to me. Uh, this podcast also brought to you by my friends over at the Sang Lucci Steam Room. Sang Lucci and Wall Street Jesus now have an incredible live stream. Starts at about 9.30 every morning on YouTube. It is 100% free. You can go to the Sang Lucci uh, YouTube channel, which you can get from his Twitter handle, which is in my podcast description. Uh, Lucci and the uh, all the guys down at the trade space in Puerto Rico. Very fun to watch. Great people to listen to before you start your day of trading. If you want to wrap your head around, um, you know, what names are going to be in play for the day. And also, of course, Lucci and Jesus, the pioneers of the Steam Room, a wonderful piece of software that helps you track flow in the options market, which many times can help precede moves in the equities market. And so uh, if you're just looking for a trading community to be a part of an active trading community, Check out Sang Lucci. Check out the Steam Room. Uh, you know, you can, again, watch the live streams for free. I watch them. I think Lucci's hilarious. Uh, and you can also check out the Steam Room, the software, for free, too. I'm sure he'll give you a trial. Shoot him a message. Tell him the Q-Man sent you. He has been a longtime friend of mine, honest guy to do business with, and general wonderful human being. Speaking of which, also, one other service I can happily recommend George Gammon's Rebel Capitalist Pro. George Gammon has teamed together with Lynn Alden, Chris McIntosh, Brent Johnson to help you control your wealth in a world of out-of-control central banks. Rebel Capitalist and George Gammon, two other free YouTube channels that I love to watch. But the Rebel Capitalist Pro is fantastic. You get live Q&As with experts like Lynn Alden. You get all of the access to their premium research. You get access to forums. Uh, where George and all of his experts are active, uh, you can you know have discussions with other rebel capitalist pro members. You could check out mock portfolios. Uh, just honestly, if you're an active trader, Lucci's uh, stuff would be like the way I would go. And if you are interested in macro and learning more about how central banks are ripping the whole world off, check out George Gammon because he knows the game better than I do. So with him, you're going to get more researched, nuanced content and less dick and fart jokes. All right. I have no licenses, no registrations. I am not a financial advisor. Nothing on this podcast is to be taken as financial advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any securities. This podcast generally has a two drink minimum. And when we're starting at 645 AM on the East Coast on a Sunday, I'd go so far as to say it Definitely has a do drink minimum. All right, the uh, the returning champion who I haven't had on in a very long time, but every once in a while, I, you know, I don't know how I book my guests. I just, you know, I just sort of get an itch, and I say, well, it's time to talk to Montana skeptic. Here he is. How are you, sir? The
1: Good one, morning, the only. Chris. <laughs> Good morning.
0: Thanks for getting up at 5 a.m. for me.
1: Uh, I got up at at 4:30 a.m. for you. Yes, here we are at 5. What did you time.
0: what did you do so far today?
1: I... Uh I drank two cups of coffee. How's that? That's great. And I pulled out I'm, and I made a big note to myself at the beginning of this call warn people that Tesla remains uninvestable. It's an <laughs> It's you know, it's an option-driven cult stock, meme stock, and well, you know, retail is probably a small part of it. It's still a significant part of it, and um, leave it to the guys who run the funds, like you know, a Mark Spiegel, to to go chase the Tesla short. It's just too dangerous. So, just let's get that out of the way right up front.
0: Did you have to make that as a note, really? <laughs> you, um, said, you said you made a note for yourself. Uh, yeah, I did. I wanted to make sure I mentioned it
1: first because. I, I'm so negative on Elon Musk and Tesla that it's important to separate my negativity about his character and about the stock's fundamentals and about his empire from an investment thesis.
0: Okay, so let's start with uh, let's start with X and uh,
1: can we call it Twitter?
0: Yeah, sure. We can call it Twitter. It's actually easier time, for me to call it Twitter. Uh,
1: the last time you and I talked was about Twitter.
0: Do you remember that? No.
1: Okay. Well, <laughs> in my defense,
0: I was probably drinking heavily.
1: <laughs> uh, well, good. Um, it was it was around last August or September. It was shortly before, a few weeks before the deal finally closed. Okay. And, but it was up in the air at that point because, you know, Elon Musk had said the deal was on hold There was a fight about the bots and there was all this stuff going on at the court of chancery in Delaware. And I told you then that I thought Elon would be forced to buy the company because he was in front of a really good chancellor in the court of chancery, which is a serious court. And he wouldn't be able to have Alex Spiro get up and bamboozle a jury because it would be decided by the court itself by the judge And I said, this is going to be his Waterloo, I think, the Twitter purchase. And, you know, I think that that story has played out. I think it is his Waterloo. And I think it's one of the most hideously bad decisions he's ever made. And in the history of investing, how many deals are worse than the Twitter deal? Maybe, you know, people talk about AOL.
0: We could go down SoftBank's record. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, public
1: companies, right? Public companies, but yeah, yeah, you have it's up there with the SoftBank stuff, right? So, um, so you see, Twitter today. Um, I, I don't know if you saw that piece recently in Business Insider by Lynette Lopez, where she wrote a story. was really It's a great story, just a few days ago, called "Elon Musk's Luck Has Finally Run Out," and she. She details a lot of the gambles he took and how they made him increasingly confident. And um, then she writes, Then Musk did what every risk-addicted blackjack player inevitably does, pushed his luck too far. Overconfidence, confirmation bias, and delusions of control led to a string of bad decisions, and boom, Elon's empire is in trouble again and i think that's right i think there are trouble there's trouble on all fronts if you if you look at it there's trouble obviously with twitter where he's i mean we can talk about twitter what 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 has he what has he done to turn the company around right after overpaying massively and after lining up a lot of um, banks to help him do the deal 13 billion or so of debt right um it's 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 an astonishing thing. Uh, he certainly has given those banks good reason to never do business with him again. He certainly has given a lot of other business people good reason never to do business again after he signed a waived due diligence and signed a very seller friendly deal and then tr- spent the next eight months trying to extricate himself from it. Right. <laughs> uh, and and now he's you know has to pay uh approximately i don't know somewhere between 1.3 and 1.5 billion just in annual interest and that's real money that's not tesla stock you know you have to convert your tesla stock to cash to pay that interest right. he he has not just kind of given advertisers pause he's he's told them to i think his words were they can they can go fuck off or something didn't he say something like that to bob Eicher? he said
0: go fuck yourself
1: go fuck yourself yeah that's, um, that's that's not the slogan of any Madison Avenue advertising firm that I know of. Uh, it's, it was what Elon's message was. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you look at the uh, work of Vicki Bryan from time to time. She has been looking at distressed debt and bonds for all her career. She thinks the banks will be lucky to get 40 cents on the dollar on their debt. Which means that the equity itself is worthless. So right. all these equity investors that came along with him, he's basically given them the finger as well. Of course, they're his close friends, and they all deserve it. But um, that's that's a that's a heck of a thing to do, right? Uh, so you you just uh, you wonder um, how could it be more of a dumpster fire? And and now on top of that. There's a recent court ruling. I don't know if you saw that he's being sued for some of the tweets he made while the deal was pending. Right. And I people who, own, yeah, people who own the stock, like in, at when it was worth $40, 45 bucks a share while the deal was pending. Then Elon tweets that the deal is temporarily temporarily on hold, and a few days later he says that the fake and spam accounts are at least twenty percent. Both of those things were false. And there was the implication in his tweets that Twitter had some duty to report to him when, in fact, he had waived due diligence and they didn't have any such duty. And the court said, look, you add put all that in context, and that's um, that's a prima facie case of fraud. So he said, we're not going to dismiss this case. It's going to go forward. And um, so there's still more pain for him there, which is nice. And he's facing Dozens, scores, hundreds of lawsuits from former Twitter employees who he screwed out of their severance payments and uh, the parachute payments of some of the former officers and directors. So it continues to be uh, financially a a dumpster fire. And and it and uh, where does it all end? And it's it's certainly the reputational harm. There's. There's clearly reputational harm here, it seems to me.
0: But let's just go back up real quick. I mean, first off, he hasn't really hit a roadblock in the legal system anywhere. After all the lawsuits, all the different venues, all the different types of lawsuits, he has yet to hit a serious roadblock. I mean, even with the SEC thing. I mean, it's just he yeah. just kind of bulldozed his way through it. You know, right. and then, then there was the, the solar roof lawsuit, which I thought was, you know, f- fucking layup. I mean, he's yeah. just—he's—he's he's just like he's made out of Teflon legally.
1: Yeah, yeah. the d- The decision in that solar roof lawsuit was really disappointing. It was by a vice chancellor named Joseph Slights, who's now retired, and I thought it was really a poor decision. But, um, but you know, he still faces. Uh, well, I mean. there's public lawsuits and private lawsuits as it were those brought by public agencies and those brought by private litigants on the private litigant side his compensation package is still up in the air and the court has not yet ruled on that in Delaware and that's I think the case is called Tornetta I'd have to go look again but I think it's called Tornetta and that decision will be coming out mm, someday soon and that will be an interesting decision and the you know, the things he's done and said since the, the court heard the evidence aren't, aren't, you know, especially attractive. So maybe that goes somewhere and he's forced to disgorge a huge amount of his compensation, which, you know, would would be for the benefit of Tesla, by the way. But um, and then you have finally. Uh, you know, you have this ruling that or, or this agreement by Tesla to do the recall right uh that we had this week so uh well you know what he whether he just gets away with an over-the-air update even though some of these cars don't have cabin mirror uh, cabin cameras or whether it's a more expensive thing or you know is to be determined but it involved every single tesla ever ever sold so that's I guess something there are active investigations underway with the SEC, which he's doing everything he can to postpone though. Um, that, you know, this week the court ruled that he has to appear for a deposition. I think it's scheduled in February. I'm not sure, but the court said enough of this bullshit. Uh, you know, he had argued the SEC is harassing him. So whether the, Public regulatory agencies do anything is, is kind of up in the air, right, Chris? He's yeah. gotten away with it for a long time. I
0: would say so. We're going on 2024, and I'm just – somebody posted the other day a tweet from 2014 about the battery swap, and I'm just thinking, well, yeah. it's been 10 years, and what I'm seeing isn't any type <clears> – <throat> he has not hit a terminus anywhere. It's been all roads have gone his way And, you know, when I think back to something like the compensation package, when that compensation package was written out at first, I wrote an article or something about it, writing, this is bizarre, because none of the milestones in his compensation package had anything to do with generating free cash, you know, gap financial uh, net income, uh, nothing tangible. They were all on market cap and, you know, all these... All these things that had nothing to do with profitability and it wasn't it wasn't but shortly thereafter in december of 2019 that tesla stock mysteriously you know went up 10x in six months after trading in a goddamn straight line for years right and after huge long dated out of the money call buys came in that I couldn't help but notice. This was 2020. They were buying the 2025s for millions of dollars at the offer. And I just happened to notice, man, it's all convenient how it worked out. The stock went bananas. I still don't. I said to Chainos this week on a Twitter spaces, I still don't feel like the bid for this stock is real. I feel like the stock is um, also bulletproof to some degree. There's been no semblance of bad news or no semblance of a stretched valuation or a reduction in demand or anything that has caused the equity to contract in any meaningful, prolonged way. And it just seems it feels like everything comes up, Elon, all the time. And so at the same time, at the same time on one screen, I got the 2014 battery swap, I'm looking at the other screen, and I see that he's talking about the robots, okay? They're going to be yeah. – they, they just did the Cybertruck launch. and then So I can see what's going on. I can see the next two carrots on the string. I can see that not, there's been no legal ramifications. I can see where we've been over the course of 10 years and what he's been able to do. And I can see he's got all these different companies, and he can shuffle around all these assets. And I just I – I don't know. It's tough for me to make a case in my head where the whole – Bullshit gravy train
1: stops. (laughs) It really, if you try to add, if you try to list all of the, all of the lies he's told from the beginning, it's just really hard. I mean, all the supercharger stations were going to be powered by renewables. Do you remember that? Yep. And the battery swap, which extracted tens of millions, if not more dollars from the state of California and the, the regulators at the California Air Resources Board who who have got to be uh, either deeply corrupt or just hideously stupid, you know, have protected him forever. Um, then the, the I mean, f- the 2016 painted black video where the driver is there just for legal reasons, you know, uh, promising FSD is just imminent. It's around the corner selling that stuff, selling that, you know, vaporware for years for lots of money. Uh, the solar roofs, which, you know, uh, was a big part of his narrative um, to do the solar city deal, of course. And that's turned out to be a complete bust. It was a fake product. Then you have um, the robo taxis and all that bullshit. And then you have ancillary lies. Ancillary, well, of course, the new, the Tesla new factories pop up like crazy, right? there's going to be one in india there's going to be one in indonesia there's going to be one in mexico there's going to be one in england i mean it's just um meanwhile they you know the factory they did build in germany a terrible terrible idea is operating at best at like 55 percent capacity and it 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 is too expensive to produce those cars there we can talk about that later but uh, the only way tesla can make car can sell cars is out of china to to, to keep the cost down uh, it's amazing how he's gotten away with it for so long I, I certainly agree with that and it's amazing that people continue to buy the bullshit but it, there is an end there is an end because now you have uh, I perhaps you saw the news out of germany right germany just immediately instantly stopped its huge subsidy for electric vehicles it stopped it yesterday that was the last day boom done because of a legal ruling that um it was unconstitutional for germany to reappropriate money that was for COVID emergencies and use it to subsidize electric vehicles and other renewables plus the company uh, germany's now realized it's going broke with all of its idiotic policies and um so and this gets to to me as one of the real tragedies of, and one of my biggest bones to pick with Elon Musk is that his lies are going to cost millions of people hundreds of billions of dollars because his lies led to Tesla being included in the S and P 500 and hence, index funds everywhere had to buy that stuff these index funds are the 401k accounts and 403b accounts and iras of you know regular people all over the country and tesla went in at an absurd price and that's going to come down now maybe it won't happen next month maybe it won't even happen next year but it's it's going to happen gravity doesn't give up even with a guy like elon musk who if you've looked at him lately you can see there's an increasing case for gravity with elon and uh when that happens these people will never know what hit them but they will be hundreds of billions of dollars overall more poor because the uh s p 500 the s p trustees allowed tesla into the into that select company and i think that's a horrible thing really a tragic thing and it's one of my greatest uh, problems with elon so uh but i think it, it's going to happen chris it's not nobody stays bulletproof forever and you, you see evs really hitting a wall uh, without subsidies nobody wants them and even with subsidies the dogs don't want to eat the dog food right
0: yeah well certainly me. it's it's looks like it's become clear over the last quarter or two you know first off through his you know, the leading action of cutting prices, but then the, the follow-up uh, consequences in, in the company's margins. But it it looks like, you know, dem- and it's just obvious, demand is going to drop off. I mean, there's a full slate of EV players who have better products, more competent management teams, better service, you know, aggressive pricing. It just seems like the demand story uh, should be weighing bigger on the company's valuation, but it isn't. I mean, margins have collapsed. So, I, you know, again, now you have a market that's in the midst of, uh, you know, it's at all-time highs, but it's in the midst of, uh, you know, two years of hawkish Fed policy, and it's still pricing this company on a multiple to sales and not on a multiple to earning. You know, it Tesla is going to earn like half of what its estimates were for this year. And right
1: the EP if you look at the estimates of the analysts they've all come way down right and they still have further to go for 2024 in my view so yeah you're right the 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 multiples are are insane, but that doesn't go on forever it doesn't go on forever and the people who are going to pay the price will never know what hit them
0: well, and you know why that is though you know why those multiples can stay like that if 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 the stock isn't being manipulated but let's assume it isn't. If the, if there isn't some funny business going on with the stock, the multiples can stay that way because you have people like Dan Ives and you have people like Adam Jonas and you have people like Kathy Wood who come out and are furiously, uh, you know, they are, they are, they cannot wait. They are chomping yeah. at the bit to put on a pedestal the next ludicrous idea you know like this thing with grok now they've discovered at least it appears from some posts online that grok might be using some open ai's stuff because some of the messages came up with open ai branding at least it that's i'm going based on what i saw on twitter which may not be accurate but the, the point is you have the grok you have you have the robots right the which they, they put out a nice video for them, but you know that these products can't compete with Boston dynamics. They can't compete with OpenAI. but these people are happy to. And by the way, when you were listing the lies, you failed to mention the $80 billion fake buyout for the company. That, oh, that's a big one, but I'm you, sorry, it's okay. <laughs> I'm just, it's early. We'll let you slide. But when you think about all these carrots on strings, you know, there's two ways to look at it. If you're if you're Adam Jonas, you can come out and say, "Look, these guys obviously have no experience doing this. They may have some capital that they can throw towards trying to put some you know robot like this together, but they're never going to be industry leading." As Chanos would say, they've been using robotics in the auto industry for since the 1980s. It's not some uh, new revelation. But instead, they come out and say, oh, well, you know, we value the robotics business at $3 trillion in, in 10 years. And it's just like, I don't know what it's going to take. I mean, how many times can they get this wrong? How many times can estimates be cut? Can can these products, can the robotaxis? I mean, just go back three years. And, and what were they modeling for 2024 for robotaxis, right?
1: Yeah, well, Chris, if we go back three years, though, Tesla became profitable. Now, strip away the subsidies, the giveaways, et cetera, et cetera, and the company has never made a profit. But it did become actually profitable, and it became profitable in a sustained way, and their volume growth grew. And I think those are important, okay? And I – yes, when you talk about Dan Ives, who I think actually is a – you know, admitted – securities fraudster, and Kathy Wood, who's cynical and deeply crooked, and uh, uh, Adam Jonas, who can explain what what his motivations are. Those are <clears throat> just horrible, cynical people. They're terrible people, but they're going to have to contend with dropping profits, possibly even losses someday, but m- minuscule profits and a sudden halt to the growth. And it's going to become apparent that it's over. But, you know, how did it all get started? You, you, you of course, know Randy Pothy, who I helped represent in his fights with Musk and Tesla. And he has a sort of overarching theory that when Steve Jobs died, the media desperately wanted some other superhero, okay, right. who was larger than life. And, um, and you combine that with... Zero interest rates for so long and quantitative easing and all the interest rate repression, which allowed so much garbage into financial markets, which a lot of it's still there, as you know, a lot of the venture capital nonsense is uh, still to be paid for. But Elon Musk became the person that they settled on. And why was that? Well, I think, you know, he he completely understood the zeitgeist. And he fashioned himself at the beginning as a hero of the progressives of the left. He was going to save the earth, right? EVs. I mean, the, the cyber truck truck is, is like a huge joke when you think about this, right? This monstrously heavy vehicle lugging around a hideously heavy battery, none of which can be recycled, but he was going to (laughs) save the earth with EVs. Right. And, um, and, and i think all that allowed this mythology to get built right and it's a powerful mythology and people today when they talk about elon musk even sensible sane people say well he's a great genius he is we need more people like elon musk he's a visionary you hear this all the time and then they'll have some criticism of him well he's not a genius he's a moron he's an opportunist he's a cynic he's certainly adept at manipulation But what are his inventions? What are his? What, you know, people say, well, he lands rockets. Well, we were landing rockets for a long time. It remains to be proven that you can do it economically. Okay, that's not clear yet. Um, He's going to Mars. No, he's never going to Mars. Never, ever. And if he does go to Mars, everybody on board the ship will never come back. Okay, it's uh, it's as clear as can be to people who are who study space science. And there's actually a book that was just published about this, about how ridiculous this idea of going to Mars is. And, um, you know, and in, in, in starting a colony there. It's just the most inhospitable place imaginable. <laughs> it, it's, you know, it's just absurd. You think these people are going to be bottled up in a little tiny tube for six months to get there? They'll they'll all hate each other by the time they're there. There's no way they can stand up. And it, it, it's just, it's just fantasy utter total idiotic fantasy and um it maybe that's all that narrative is starting to unravel maybe a few more rockets blowing up will help certainly nasa's losing patience and uh he's way behind schedule with his spacex program to get to the moon and um it's not going to happen on time they're looking to other vendors now so All these things do have an end. So now, you know, he's, I mean, if you don't mind me talking politics for just a little bit, he's suddenly fashioning himself as a hero of the right, okay, and kind of the hard right. And you and I probably differ on some politics, but the truth is that I've always been a conservative. I've been all my adult life, I should say, a conservative, all right? I'm a charter member, one of the first five members Of the federalist society when we founded it at yale law school in 1982 okay and um and i'm proud of that and one of the one of the really good things trump did was to outsource the appointment of judges to the federalist society because you got people who care about the law and the constitution and of course who rule against him consistently in consequence on all of his election challenges (laughs) Um, and um and you know but to see him hooking up with the likes of Tucker Carlson and Alex Jones and, and Vivek Ramaswamy and some of these other uh, – uh, David Sachs, it's just – and to you know be mouthing off about uh, our policy in Ukraine and to, to claim that he's taking Twitter and turned it into this free speech platform, it is, it is simply bullshit. Um, free speech is a difficult thing to do. On, in social media, it, it's really hard. There's no simple solution. You just can't let any anything goes is not the solution. And Elon is learning that. And um, it was always a difficult thing. He pretends it's easy. And uh, ultimately, I don't think he's of the left. And I don't think he's of the right. I think he's a absolutely a complete opportunist, narcissist, egomaniac with no moral compass whatsoever. And with no abiding principles whatsoever. So, um,
0: well, I wrote about this, I think, last week in one of my I can't even remember where the hell I was writing about it. But, you know, to me, it looks as though I I think opportunist is a good word. He moves on to where he thinks he's going to get the help regardless of. You know, the perfect example of this was in 2020 when COVID hit, the government shut down a bunch of, you know, corporations and everybody suffered. Everybody got got. Now, it wasn't the right decision. But putting that aside, when the lockdowns happen and people stop, uh stayed in their house and people stopped going out and a lot of the small businesses sadly were shut down in favor of places like. Target and Walmart, which were allowed to stay open. Everybody suffered. And it was about that time when he first started to lean right because what was happening was, and the impetus for it, at least this is how I see it, the impetus for it was very clear. There were a lot of critical questions being asked about how Fremont was going to continue to produce, how Tesla was going to make its numbers, how it was going to continue to make its sales numbers. There were a lot of very critical questions being asked about that due to COVID, which is, you know, he had a scapegoat if he wanted it, but it was then he came out and started with this, you know, that was the phone call where he was like, this is fascism, you know? And like, regardless of whether or not you happen to agree with him, just on its own, that the lockdowns weren't a good idea. He wasn't fighting for the freedom of the country there. He was fighting to get fucking Fremont reopened. And it was clear as a bell that that's what he was doing. So that's kind of like where the opportunism comes in. And if you ask my opinion of it, I think he made this hard right push because he is garnering support for when Eventually, something goes wrong, so that he can say he's being persecuted, and and I yeah. think that that's sad because I do think sometimes conservatives are targeted by people on the left, by certain government entities, whatever. But in this case, I think there's enough there's enough on the side of objective truth to uh, you know he Elon should have already had to face the music, but he hasn't. So for whatever reason so far, but opportunist feels like the word because, you know, 10 years ago he was a hard leftist, right? This was an environmental cause. This was a push to save the planet, to go to Mars, to save college, you know, to save the human species. It had nothing to do with this stuff. And while tangentially I happen to agree with some of the points he's making about free speech and some of the points he's making about other political issues we're not arriving there for the same reason i don't think i think he is just trying to ally himself with uh, a group so that he uh so that he has somewhat of an army behind him again because he's lost the left and he's losing the Tesla cultists, right? So it's like, who's next? Yeah. And so that's why opportunist feels, I don't know, that feels like you've identified it correctly to me.
1: No, that was very well said. And I, I agree with you. And by the way, I I think Elon Musk was right. Twitter went too far with its um, censorship before he purchased it. I agree. And it frequently, it did so almost always in terms of suppressing conservative opinion, not progressive. opinion. Correct. Correct. And uh, so I agree and, But the idea that it oh, so this the solution is, well, let let everybody just say whatever they want to say, we'll spread whatever misinformation is out there. We don't need to have any moderation that has been shown to be. It just doesn't work. It just won't work. You're going to turn your your site into a sewer. And um, with you've seen this happen from time to time on Twitter. The, the lack of moderation I think has really hurt the site in terms of some of the really disreputable people there a lot by the way a lot of my new followers are like you look at it and it's like who is this they have six followers and they and when you click on them they're advertising their porn site you know so it's uh, some uh, woman selling her wares it's like what has happened to this um financial Twitter it's it's just it's it's now become un, almost unusable. I'm, I'm moving to threads as soon as I can get it, the technical stuff sorted out. But, yeah, he, I, I agree with you. There was and, – and I agree with some of his positions. I, was, I thought it was admirable that he went to Israel and watched the, the actual footage filmed by the, the Hamas terrorists of them, you know, murdering and beheading and raping and killing and that he took a strong stand, that was courageous. Right. But in terms of, he, he had to do it because he had, he had faced some serious charges of anti-Semitism based on stuff he did online, number one. And if you were really serious about that, number two, when has he ever spoken one critical word about the most repressive regime that's ever existed in the world, and I'm talking about China, not one word. Right. In fact, he, he cannot praise them highly enough. And he is utterly beholden to the Communist Chinese Party and to Chairman Xi. And that, to me, is just complete evidence of his opportunism. And his interests now are very, very different from the interests of the United States. The interests of Tesla is to build cheap cars with cheap parts and cheap labor in China. And um, the Chinese cultivated him perfectly for that purpose. They let him build his factory lickety split with all kinds of financial help and um you know he he doesn't have a single critical word ever to say about anything that the chinese do in hong kong with the uyghurs with their with their social control nothing and and that's a shame um but you you talked about this idea that he's a victim you know that's that's what you're now hearing from him that uh Sleepy Joe is out to get him. Sleepy Joe has said it's okay to go after Elon Musk and Tesla. And um, I wanted to, to share with you an, an email that I think you have seen this too, so I'm kind of sharing it with our readers. But one of the, one of the smartest people that we know who has a tremendous amount of um, investment experience at, at the highest levels in Silicon Valley sent this out the other day. And he said, personally, I 100% do not buy all this. Musk is a victim bullshit. It is total and complete bullshit. The guy is being protected, not persecuted. And he has a bunch of points, one through seven. One, the guy is a repeated recidivist liar. Well, I think that's undeniable. Two, he has mooched off the government and the taxpayer more than any other human being in history, more than anyone in history, by an order of magnitude. All the while whining like a little bitch. Now I'm quoting here because, you know, we want to watch our language, but we want to quote accurately, too. Three, he is owned (laughs) by He's owned by China. Yes, he is. Even the fanboys admit that he absolutely cannot get crossways with the People's Republic of China. It's the one rule he follows. Well, the United States has major issues with China. I might want them to be toned down, but I am in a tiny minority. Again, I'm quoting. 4 he sucks up to russia as well for reasons that i'm sure are nuanced that was a little sarcasm 5 he's protected to an insane degree by many agencies including the ones that are charged with automobile safety right. okay which the national highway transportation safety administration my god bizarre, he, right? and he bizarre he, but utterly pathetic it's so it is such a sad spectacle he and he alone gets away with crap that no one else would even dare and I mean if you imagine GM doing any of this or Ford or Stellantis no way would they get away with the crap that Tesla and <clears throat> must get away with I agree there too six all big large cap tech companies with AI artificial intelligence and software that touches many consumers all those companies are being looked at this goes to the claim that he's being singled out. All those, all such companies are being looked at. That's life in the big, magnificent seven city. The magnificent seven, of course, refers to the top seven by market cap names in the uh, S&P 500. Seven, this guy, more than any other, does not do anything unless he is basically forced to. Okay. And he concluded, maybe Sleepy Joe shouldn't have said what he said, but it doesn't bother me. And I I just find that a refreshingly no bullshit spot on analysis of Elon Musk, who he is from the very beginning to a recidivist liar to the end, that he will do nothing unless he's absolutely forced to. He believes that he is the law unto himself.
0: The NHTSA thing is really bizarre because they have the authority to just end this full self-driving You know and and the volumes of evidence the volumes of evidence that that full self-driving is just i mean it not just non-existent but a danger is you know you look at the stuff that like dan o'dowd has done and you look at like just what's available in the public domain from like news articles from videos that have been taken to you know like you said the painted black video and the NHTSA has done nothing. They have been a castrated, impotent uh, you know, regulator in and, and really are arguably arguably the the onus is on them before anybody else because they're the ones that could literally be protecting human life with their regulations. Um, you know, putting aside what charges of fraud and, and things like that would follow. but you know y- compare what Tesla has done with somebody like GM. GM had that instance where the pedestrian was killed from their cruise segment and you know that was it. They laid off 24% of their workforce and cut uh, you know cut their uh, cut their investment in the cruise autonomous and they took huge decisive steps, quickly to say this is not okay and meanwhile you have are you blowing your nose
1: oh sorry didn't i mute it i apologize
0: Uh, (laughs) it was funny too because before we started you were like you were like i might mute it. i'm recovering from a cold i know you were like i might mute it when i blow my nose and i was like yeah don't worry about it nobody cares no oh okay i apologize no one gives a shit um no here's what wait let me finish my thought let me finish my... my thought so the the point is that you know, you had this one incident with GM's crews where all of a sudden they make these material changes and slow down and say, "All right, wow, we really got to fucking take inventory of what we're doing here." And you have had repeated multiple, dozens of incidents with Tesla vehicles just for lack of a better word, going ape shit on public highways without warning. Uh, and and multiple fatalities that have been, you know, questioned as to whether or not they involved autopilot. Um, and you have a product being sold as something fully autonomous when it isn't. And the NHTSA has done nothing. So what a stark difference there between uh, the two companies, huh?
1: Yeah. Amazing. Now, the you know, the one hope is, again, the public versus private. There are several dozen private lawsuits pending over autopilot, including, you know, some fatalities. And Tesla won one recently when uh, uh, it was, it went to a jury, but it won by claiming, you know, these uh, promises it made about autopilot, they're just corporate puffery or they're forward looking. But there are many more of those that are going to trial. And, you know, you can duck and dodge, but you're not going to duck and dodge all of them. Right. I think those pose a danger to Tesla. That's a lot of litigation. And you also have with this, with what the NHTSA finally did with the, you know, the recall, which may be nothing more than Tesla saying, oh, we just fixed it with an over-the-air update, which it would be, a, would be a, an insult to the NHTSA, but they don't appear to mind that. That's on your end, that little siren there.
0: That's my yeah. Nespresso machine. Sorry. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm making another <laughs> cup of coffee.
1: <laughs> good for you. Good. Sorry. Good. sorry. No problem. Last, so, it'll be um, about
0: 30 seconds.
1: I have my coffee pot in here too. So, um, But the, you know, the people who paid for FSD also, a lot of them now have uh, more ammunition to use with this NHTSA recall. Right. They have a... a, a it gives them some powerful evidence that this was vaporware Right. and that autopilot is deceptive. Uh, it's a deceptive name to use, full self-driving, the endless promises. It was deceptive. It was vaporware. And I think these things, they take time to play out. But whether it's death by a thousand cuts or whether some regulatory agency finally does what should be done, it's negative. It's negative for Tesla. And what does Tesla have to offer right now for investors? Well, the Cybertruck. <laughs> honestly, I have a, I, I don't see Tesla making money on the Cybertruck. Even though there are idiots lining up to buy a few idiots who will pay a hundred forty thousand for a founders edition or something like that. It's very expensive to manufacture. I think Tesla really the would Founder's
0: afford... edition.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what they the have. It's something like edition. that.
1: <laughs> it's just amazing how stupid some people are. But you see these stupid people, they're out there.
0: It reminds me of when I see like an old, like, uh, you know, like an old, like Lincoln Mark 8 on the road. And, you know, it's all beat up and rusted. And, but on the back, it's got that beautiful plate and cursive that's, you know, limited edition. This was a right. limited edition for, you know, <laughs> six months in 1984 when they were trying to move a bunch of them at 20% over what the uh, market price would have been right the founders edition i mean i don't think they're gonna sell i don't think they're gonna sell fucking a hundred thousand of those things i I really don't i i
1: don't i don't i think they want to kill it quietly yeah i think that they what they really want to do is kill it because it's going to destroy them financially if they try to build it it's also going to lead to lots of lawsuits the thing is poorly engineered and there are going to be lots of problems, lots of repair issues, lots of reliability issues if they ever start to produce it in volume. Right now, they're making like two a day, okay? Right, that's,
0: right. that's two, what I'm saying. Two
1: a day, okay? They're having to build these things by hand. And even at that, they're, the, the the problems with getting all that stainless steel to line up correctly is um, they can't overcome those because it was, it was an Elon idea. He knew better than everybody. He knew better than the uh, engineers and designers who told him, don't do this. So there's something beautiful about that. It's kind of like the, it's the Tesla version of buying Twitter, okay? Well, is bringing the Cybertruck out.
0: Right from the get-go, right from the, you know, when I was watching the, the video of the humanoid robot, I was thinking, wow, the video is so well-produced, and, like, you know, to the outside observer, you're like, man, they're really going to do it. Look at this fucking thing. And, like, you know, I've been an extra on enough movies and have been handed enough, like, plastic swords and shit to know that, like to know that, like, hey, you know, like, filmography can do some magical things, and this probably is just a pile of plastic. You know, like, we see a stormtrooper in Star Wars, you're like, wow, that that looks official. That's bulletproof, whatever. You know, it's like two cents worth of fucking Chinese plastic that the guy's wearing. <laughs> and, like, w- when you look at, like, the humanoid robots, that's, that's all I could think of. And, like, the Cybertruck was the other thing, except, you know, even then, they... They rolled the thing on stage to do the reveal, which is a lot of pomp and circumstance for a product that obviously hasn't been tested and it wasn't ready. And they threw the metal balls at the window and they broke. I mean, I was just like, first off, that night they rolled that thing out on stage, I was off my ass laughing. I had made the mistake of smoking like half a joint. They did that thing at like 9 o'clock Eastern time, whatever. (laughs) I was on the phone I think with Kubico I can't or I had to call him I had to call somebody I couldn't breathe I was laughing so hard when they rolled that thing out on stage and now you know and then of course when he when he threw the balls at the window and they broke after he's up there telling people it's not gonna break and then you watch two three years of them trying to design this thing and they can't get the body panels to line up. There's all these questions about, you know, whether or not it's going to be street legal. And, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just a farce. Like, it's just bizarre. And I think there's going to be real, there will be real legal liability in like, and then, you know, so what do they do? What do they do? They have them come out and shoot a fucking bow and arrow at it. You know, Joe Rogan shot the cyber truck with a bow and arrow. It's like, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) Do the wheels turn? Like those are the things I'm worried about with it. You know what I mean? Like, do the headlights shine enough so that you can see? Do the wipers work? Like, forget about shooting a bow and arrow. you're just gonna shoot a bow and arrow at it. Reminds me of the that stupid. I know you didn't, won't even know what I'm talking about. That Bob Lazar story, where they're like, you know, he claims to have worked on an alien craft, and they ask him, oh, well, what did you do to test it? He's like, oh, I threw a golf ball at it. You know, it's like, oh, very scientific. You know, like we shot it with a Tommy gun. Very scientific, huh? Must it it's, must be wonderful?
1: It's endlessly amusing, isn't it? And, it's uh, fucking, you know,
0: it's ridiculous, is what it is. <laughs> when you stop and think about it, it's insane.
1: Let me ask you this: you, uh, they're you know boasting about its bulletproof, and there's that video of somebody shooting machine gun at it, or a Tommy gun, with who knows what kind of ammunition, right? Of course. So, but let's say that the panels really are bulletproof, which uh, color me skeptical. Right. The windows are not. And so exa- exactly what does this protect you from? Oh, you're not going to get shot in the torso. You're just going to get your head blown off. I, I, You know, who is so, how are these people so damn stupid? I don't understand. Uh, it's it's incredible. But it's a, it's a big money suck. And they're going to have to start depreciating all the equipment that they use to manufacture it. And, and they're going to have to start cranking out a few. And once some professional reviewer gets a hold of this thing.
0: It's oh, going to be... I think could, somebody already destroyed it. I forget who. But I think I read one already.
1: Imagine the people in the service center when they start, when these things start. Well, that's what up. I was going mean... to say.
0: Like, how do you... Like, imagine the the, the service issues that they're not going to be able to deal with. Yeah. It's just a time bomb, it feels like. I don't know. but
1: So... Just before we, it'll receive. be it'll be I the have... best
0: selling truck of uh, 2024, Trust me, you know that's <laughs> how it's been going.
1: I learned something I didn't know in this call that you've appeared as an extra in movies. You need to give us a filmography and oh, give God. us a
0: list. No, so tell I us did... where,
1: tell us where we can
0: find you. I've done a couple. The last one that I did was I mean this was a long time ago because there was a place in North Philly where you could go work as an extra for a day, and. Uh, They'd pay you like a hundred and fifty dollars for the day, and they'd give you like three three square meals. And this is back when I wasn't working, and uh, or was bartending just a couple nights a week. The last one I did was M Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender when he filmed wow. that movie. That was the last one that I did, and uh, I remember, yeah, they were like filming at some like warehouse location. Up in North Philly, place where they shoot a lot of films, so they they would keep the same people on as extras, you know. So it would be, I guess, the same film crew, whatever would would uh would manage the property, and when they needed to bring people in, I had a buddy that worked at the bar with me that you know knew how to get in, and so we'd go up, you know, you stand around for a long time, we'd stand around for six hours, we'd do you know, an hour or two where we'd be in shots and they'd cut us a check and we, you know, would hit the buffet as hard as we possibly could. That catering tent, uh, for the extras. That was the main, (laughs) was the main goal of getting up there. Like, Oh, we get to eat today. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the last one I did.
1: That's pretty great. It reminds me of what we used to do with mock juries. You know, we'd get people to come in and, um, that we would tell them the story about how they're going to hear this case. And it's very important for both sides to understand how they feel about it before it goes to a trial and they're doing something really important. And they would, we would tape their deliberations and they would stay all day and they, they love the buffet table too. And yeah, uh, yeah, that's about, that's about how it went for them about the same amount of time and the same amount of money. And
0: they enjoyed it. $9 a day. They're, they're paying in Philly now. I just, I just got my check. I did jury duty a couple of weeks ago. They pay oh no! Nine. This was
1: for mock, mock juries. We pay oh, much better jury, for the okay. mock jury. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Got, yeah. It. Got it's, it. it. beats the hell
1: out of real jury. Duty. Yeah. Maybe I should uh, sign
0: up for mock juries only. With the, uh, I'll take the option with the full open bar uh, at lunch, and the uh, I'll be ordering the the surf and turf, of course. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, um, so let's just let's finish up with Tesla. Sure. Um, so we have the Cybertruck, which is, you know. Just as it is a source of great mirth and joy to both of us and will continue to be. <laughs> and it completely undercuts this narrative that EVs are saving the earth, which is, you know, one of my other really huge problems with Elon Musk, uh, besides the fact that he's going to drain so many retirement accounts, it's is that this, he has been the Pied Piper of renewable energy. Yeah. And it doesn't work the nobody has solved this problem of intermittency nobody has these people none of them have engineering degrees who are coming up with these you know zero carbon programs or net zero programs and eliminate internal combustion and eliminate your gas stove there it's all utterly idiotic it's the sociology majors who are dictating these things and it's it's resulted in much higher energy costs look at europe I think germany has more wind energy than any country on earth and their utilities are cost three times what it costs here uh you know it, it's it is the the problems with mining those minerals that you need to build the um, both the electric motors which are a lot of rare earth minerals go into those and the batteries is immense it causes great environmental depredation now it's not in this country it's in the congo so we don't care as much right it, but it's it's a joke, and it's it was a terrible, terrible misallocation of capital. And it, there are going to be political backlash on this, but unfortunately, hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars will have been wasted on all of this nonsense before people come to their sense before politicians come to their senses. And as I said, Elon Musk has been the pied piper of this for cynical, selfish, greedy reasons. And that's really, um, it's really disturbing.
0: Well, the whole EV thing has been a grift. I mean, there's a long, long list of uh, government-subsidized behaviors, policies, and programs that, that the government has incentivized that have resulted in a misallocation of capital. But the EV thing is really, I don't know, man. Every time I read about, I mean, Sure. It's being heralded as as a success, the fact that EVs are being adopted globally. But at what cost, right? And really, what is the net-net benefit? When you read, you know, some of the stories like I've read about the mining that goes on in the Congo, you know, that children are down in these cobalt mines. And you understand, like, the rare earth minerals that are necessary to continue to build EV batteries at scale and then you factor in exactly how the energy is being produced to charge these batteries. And then you factor in the fact that the batteries are not recyclable and you just, it's the batteries bis- are
1: not recyclable. The solar turbines are not recyclable. It's an environmental catastrophe. When you look at the way that those work too, there's, you know, they bury those things under in Arizona when they're done and, and, there's no way to uh, to no economically feasible way to recycle those very you know those turbines are built with fossil fuels, of course, and really complex technology of hydrocarbons. but there's 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 and and, and then what happens when these things go up in flames? Even a well built right. a good manufacturer is going to have a car with a bad battery cell here or there. And you've got these massive fires that are very difficult to extinguish, and that's going to become increasingly a problem as EVs have wider and wider adoption. You're going to see more and more garages go up in flames, houses go up in flames. What happens when it happens in a in you know, a public parking garage underneath a high-rise? It's it's really nobody's thought this through, and um, it's just it it just astonishes me to hear politicians talk about this stuff with zero understanding of the engineering and the science of it. None. And, uh, and as I say, it, 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 became a movement. It's a religion. And, um, the chief high priest is Elon Musk. Well,
0: and I, you know, n- what nobody does is to, to borrow a, uh, to borrow a phrase from therapy. Nobody plays the tape all the way through. That's what people will tell you. Uh, in therapy play the tape all the way through meaning you know is this a good decision now? Maybe it maybe it feels like it is, but play the tape all the way through. what ha- you know what's gonna happen after that? And that's you know the same thing right? You have the government saying we're gonna save the environment by driving electric instead yeah. of burning you know gas instead of you know the emissions of internal combustion engines and you just think, wow, what a great idea you know? And then it's like, okay, well, what about the nine consequences that come after that? Play the tape all the way through. How are you charging the vehicle? Where are the rare earth minerals coming from? Like you said, can the ingredients be recycled? The the fires are another thing. That's why they always ask you when you're mailing things, when you're getting onto an airplane, do you have lithium-ion batteries? You hear that question all the time now. Why is it? It's because once the fucking things go up in flames, it's a huge problem. It's an enormous, uh, and I know this wasn't the case, I, at least I don't think it was, but there were actually for a while some uh, some theories. I think they were fringe theories about this MH370 flight and a lithium ion battery fire. I don't I don't think that's what happened ultimately, but some of the cases that I heard made some uh, yeah. made reasonable points that these things can be very dangerous. Um, they, well, they they can be very
1: dangerous, and you know, for every you think you're saving emissions, look look at what it takes to. Look at the emissions thrown off by one burning Tesla. It's stunning.
0: It takes hundreds of thousands of gallons of water.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And the the crime is that things that would really be good for the environment aren't done. Like, you know, nuclear, for example. Um, (laughs) uh, I mean, there's a zero carbon once you have it built. Okay, that's zero carbon. And the people doing this—what if they think that China and India and all the developing world is going to sit still and say, "Okay, we see—we're not going to use coal, we're not going to use fossil fuels." Right? That's why China builds coal plants one after another right now. Right. Uh, It's—it is such. We are punishing ourselves and doing zero for the environment. In fact, it's counterproductive. It's backwards. It's ignorant and it's regrettable. And again. At the leading the parade, you see the uh, Elon Musk up there twirling the baton, you know, and it's um it's it's been a catastrophe. someday people will look back and realize that this guy has been at the head of so many catastrophes, whether it be the corruption of public markets, whether it be the fleecing of investors or whether it be setting back the environmental movement or whether it be uh, protecting. China or whether it be spreading Russian misinformation this guy has it all
0: all right last topic of discussion then I'm gonna let you go I appreciate your time this morning I was reading a tweet uh, of yours yesterday about um, about Gaza and you know I know that you went to Yale and uh, we haven't talked obviously in a year and one of the uh, more pressing news items over the last three months has been uh the hamas provoked conflict uh in the middle east and uh i want your take as a as a yale graduate on the uh on what has happened to our ivy league institutions here in the united states of america and and perhaps your take on the conflict as well
1: okay well it's first of all um i'm not jewish okay in fact i'm i'm just Two whistle stops short of atheist. Okay, so it's not that I'm. It's not that I feel some kinship with Israel in that respect, but it is a magnificent country with magnificent people. And as you know, the the Jews have been in that area since time immemorial. It's been back and forth and right. here and there, but um, it's the people who are making excuses for Hamas. I, you know, on Twitter, I was originally just Tesla, Tesla, Tesla. And I finally decided, you know what, I'm going to be all out and and say what I believe on other issues that will will cause me to lose followers or offend people. One of them is renewables and that, what a terrible policy those are. Another one is Ukraine. And I, I feel like it's the right thing to do. I think there are respectable arguments for saying we shouldn't get involved in this because we financially can't do it, we need, we can't do two or three conflicts at once, et cetera. I hear all that, but I, I'm very pro-Ukraine. I think it's in our interests of the United States to support Ukraine, they're spilling the blood and Putin is a monster, <clears throat> a terrible monster who has caused such misery everywhere. And, and Gaza is the one I feel most strongly about. The, these people are absolute barbarians, you know, and if, to the extent they subscribe to the more extreme parts of the Quran, it is a nihilistic, horrible thing. And I have zero patience for any of that. None. Zero. And I just think Israel is absolutely right to go in there and wipe out as much of Hamas as it can. I think the people in Gaza have themselves to blame for electing these idiots 17 years ago. And I think, I hope some solution comes out where you have some stronger Arab powers uh, saying, you know what, we need to help the Palestinians find a better deal than they have under certainly Hezbollah or Hamas or even the Palestinian Authority. There needs to be something better than that because they're just, it's just, I've lost my patience. And to see it's you said the ivy leagues it's not just the ivy leagues where you see this incredible lack of critical thinking uh and this su- <laughs> the, su- suppression of free speech and you are required to regurgitate this uh progressive narrative which is utter bullshit um it's it's universities all over the place all over the place montana state university is chock full of these idiots okay uh, everywhere in academia, academia is overwhelmingly left-wing, and that's fine, but when I was at Yale, free speech was, the First Amendment was like, wow, very important. That was like what we believed in. Today, it has fallen into disrepute. Now we have speech that's dangerous speech. You cannot disagree with certain pieties, and uh, that's a terrible thing. And, and students have lost the ability to think critically very you'll notice that the the support for hamas is far greater among the humanities uh than it is in the sciences or engineering yeah because those people have to actually think critically to do to succeed in their field whereas in in the humanities today you don't read uh dickens anymore or tolstoy you read uh you know intersectional bullshit and um it's, it's really, and you write about uh, how, you know, Marxist uh, uh, meta-narratives, and it's a sad, sad development. I don't know how you reverse something like this. You look at the number of kids who are like 18 to 24 that think that the, the Jews are uh, aggressors and, and uh, causing problems, and it's like two-thirds to one-third, and you just wonder what kind of, what, who have we raised? Where did, how did this happen? It's been happening slowly for a long time, and as the Wall Street Journal has a piece up today in the front page, is this pushback, is it a movement or is it a moment? And we'll right. see which one it is, but it really makes me despair about the future of the United States. It really does. The idea of what it means to be a citizen has been lost. The idea of that you have rights and responsibilities, the idea that you that you know our constitution was built on compromise you cannot vilify your opponents all the time you actually need to listen to them and cut deals that are not altogether palatable to get things done these are these nobody even understands the Constitution. certainly donald trump doesn't understand it i doubt he's ever read it and it's uh and joe biden uh, is is just as bad in his own way though not quite the brazen magnificent liar certainly he's a good liar anyway just, just you know, not as
0: I, just not as uh, lucid yeah
1: yeah oh god anyway i chris let's just both hope that the choice is not what it appears it's going to be next year let's just both hope well that, i um, think by virtue of choices. the fact
0: that everybody would consider that to be the worst choices that that's what's going to happen i feel like with yeah. in my short-lived career uh paying attention to politics which is probably going on 15 years now uh, it always seems like the worst choices somehow winds up being the choice. So I look forward to uh, exactly that. And I just, just to circle back one more time, what kind of a, what kind of, a, how long, how long do you, does your logic and reasoning have to be in disrepair and how poorly of a mental, uh, how large of a mental pretzel have you, do you need to twist yourself in to sit in front of that? congressional hearing and when somebody asks you if calling for the genocide of a group you know can is uh is you know bullying or whatever to say it depends on the context you know i yeah. just these are it the was same really people depressing that... go ahead
1: no no it was it was sad to see it it was and to see that that president of the universe of penn smirking smirking yeah yeah i mean there's a is it elise stefanik is that how you pronounce her name there's a lot of things that i object to about her okay sure. but and and there are people who could have done a much better job with more sensitivity to the first amendment i think than she did but to, to but she was fundamentally right and right. the people she was grilling were just how what are their credentials listen i'm going to tell you i'll finish with this i went to rice university back in the 70s i'm a i'm a dinosaur And when I went to Rice University, the president was Norman Hackerman. And he was a distinguished scientist, very distinguished scientist. And that's who the president of universities were back then, especially Rice and engineering school, you know, mostly engineering. Um, Today, at Rice and at almost any campus you can name, a white distinguished engineering guy or science guy is never going to be even considered, okay? You won't even be considered. It's no it's no um accident that the three people that you saw there the Harvard and the Penn and who was the third one from? Uh, another prominent school. MIT. They were all MIT. They were all women uh, uh some of them of color and um, none of them with any MIT. What scientific background did that woman have? Zero, as far as I can tell. It's just the people who are running our universities today are from the very worst class of the so-called elites, the very worst part of it. And um, I hope it changes.
0: Yeah. Do you think it will? What do you think? Do you think this is like you said? Is this a moment, or is it a is, a it, a, is it a real a change? Moment?
1: Yeah. Well. To be determined.
0: I just wanted to look up the MIT president, too, just so we – and I'm going to let yeah. you go. I know you want to go. She's an American cell biologist. So Oh, she, she is. Did.
1: Okay, I apologize. An American cell biologist. Well, all right. And, all right.
0: And the other thing I wanted to just check real quick before we get off the air is whether or not Dan Ives was – Actually, he, convicted he, or not, and well, I he just... pled
1: guilty. I think he, he pled, okay. he, yeah, to some securities violation. Uh,
0: administered cease and desist proceedings against Daniel Ives. Uh, it's the cross The SEC concluded that Daniel Ives' alleged action constituted violations, blah 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 blah. blah. He okay, fifteen thousand yeah. dollar fine, cease and desist. Uh, 30 hours of compliance training, so we'll leave it at that. I just wanted to make sure the record's <laughs> right on both of those. No, that's good. I, I appreciate that. I don't feel like that. dealing with any kind of bullshit, We don't
1: want but... to do with that, and I apologize. Because you'll be representing me, the by the president... way, if that happens. Uh, I, if I wind I'm, up getting
0: sued for defamation. You, you're I'm, a, I'm here for you. Okay. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thanks so much for taking the time this morning. Be good, Chris. Always right. a pleasure. That was Bye. the one, the only Montana skeptic. My buddy, haven't talked to him in a long time. Uh, happy to have him on and to have his thoughts on what's going on. Wow, I'm up and I'm rolling, and it's it's only eight fifteen a.m. on a Sunday, and I'm not hungover and I feel good. You know, I'll actually go and uh, make something of my day. How about that? All right, fools appreciate the listen. As always, if you want, subscribe to my Substack for near daily content. It's fringe finance. The link is in the podcast description. And if you don't want to, that's okay too. I won't take it personally. I just hope you have a wonderful Sunday and a wonderful holiday for now. I'm out of here. Peace.